This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. What's up everyone? Welcome back to Brojo Online. I'm going to do something different with this one. Something new. I've set myself a challenge. Now, I want to make a change, a slight change to how I'm doing the content, my podcast, my videos, and stop trying to help people coming from that kind of needing, needy place. And instead, just try to express myself honestly. And hopefully, one of the benefits of that will be it also helps people. So, this is a bit of a foray into that. And what I've done is I've made a list. I've made a list of beliefs that I've seen people have and, and, and seen myself have over the years that I've been a coach and working on self-development. And these are a list of beliefs that I absolutely believe are totally harmful to people. That they're very harmful beliefs to have. Commonly called limiting beliefs or self-limiting beliefs. Unhelpful beliefs. These are beliefs I see a lot of people have and there's no benefit in having the belief. And it's a very inaccurate belief to have. Or it's such a subjective belief that you get to choose whether or not it's true. The goal that I'm setting for myself is to see how many I can rant through. And say about 45 minutes an hour's time. And however many I get through will be great. And then the next, I'll do a series of these where I'll try and get through them all one at a time. So these are beliefs that hopefully my challenge of them, my critical assessment of them, will help free you to be more authentic and more confident. Because the reason I want to challenge these particular beliefs is because I believe that is where it hurts you the most. If you believe the things I'm about to talk about, then your confidence and your ability to connect with people and your ability to enjoy enjoy life is going to be severely compromised. Let's start with one of the most obvious ones. I need to be liked by other people. I want you to just register whether or not you have this belief that you need to be liked by other people. The particular word I, I want to impress on you there is the word need. So a lot of people have... A belief like it's nice to be liked by other people. I enjoy having relationships with other people. But what I want to see is do you have the one underneath that? The deeper core belief says I need to be liked. That my life will suffer immensely if I'm not. You'll know you have this belief, let's see. If you try to please your boss even though you don't like him. Because you believe you need your boss to like you otherwise you lose your job. And for some reason you think this is the only job you can have. Like you can't risk losing this one. So you can't risk being disliked. That's an example of needing to be liked by others. Where you're in a situation, let's say you're in an Uber or a taxi cab and the driver's saying some shit you really disagree with, but you pretend to agree. You feel that there would be too compromising, uh, too much of a hassle to disagree in that moment. That's an example that comes from the belief of I need to be liked by others. It's any example where this people-pleasing stuff comes in to the point where you can't accurately articulate any reason why not. You can't say, look, it's I can't actually tell you why this person not liking me is a bad thing. But you don't even need to, you just believe it anyway. So the need to be liked by others is one that ruled my life a long time. You know, even when I decided to become more confident or more polarizing and more confrontational in my life, I still thought underneath it all, I need at least someone to like me, right? I let go finally of the idea that I needed everybody to like me. 
which is a belief I know many of you have, that everyone you meet should feel positively about you. But most other people are okay with being disliked by certain people or some people, but they still have the underlying belief there needs to be at least someone who likes me. I want you to question this belief, particularly the need part. How do you justify the need part? Let's, Let's look at the word need. Need implies survival. Need implies that your quality of life or life itself will be severely compromised if you lack something, like you need water or you die of thirst. You need food or you die of starvation. You need shelter or you'll be severely injured and possibly killed by the elements. This is the category of need where it's it's clearly justified and there's plenty of empirical research to show that you need this. But where's the research that shows that you need people to like you? Where is that? What research have you conducted on your own? However unempirical that research might have been. You know, where did you form the belief that at least somebody out there has to like you? There'll be some people listening who believe that nobody likes them right now. And they still have this belief. They can simultaneously hold the observed knowledge that I don't think anyone likes me right now. And see that that has not killed them. And yet at the same time think, I need people to like me. Try so hard to be liked. Why do you believe you need it? The reason I'm sort of going on about this particular one is because there is such a huge difference between need and want. Wanting people to like you is one thing. Needing them to is quite something else. And your behavior will be severely impacted by the difference. See, if I need people to like me, My behavior will be constantly begging for approval. I will be seeking validation every second of the day. Every decision I make will be somewhat influenced by the idea of, hey, will people like this? Will people like me if I do this? It it permeates throughout your entire life when you believe this, as it did for me. You know, as a nice guy people pleaser, every single decision I made was somehow affected by this belief. It was always a consideration. Who will or will not like me at the end of this? And it had weight, that consideration. When I was making a decision, if if I came to the prediction that I'd strongly be disliked, I would probably not go through with whatever it was. Because of the belief that I need to be liked. At the end of it all, when the dust settles, somebody has to like me. Whereas wanting to be liked becomes more like an optional extra consideration. It's different. I can want people to like me and still do the right thing that I know people won't like. So I can go into a situation like a team meeting and say, you know, I'd love it if my team liked me. But I've got to tell them something that they're not going to like. And as much as I want them to like me, it's more important that I tell them this truth. That's what wanting to people, wanting people to like you will do to your consideration. But if I need them to, I'll be like, you know what, I can't tell them this. They're so not going to like me after I tell them this, and therefore I can't do it. Because I need them to like me. The way this manifests in your thoughts can be a range of things. You might not necessarily think the words, I need someone to like me. You'll just notice how much weight, whether or not people like you, has on your decision making. I want to challenge this belief for a couple of reasons. One is, most importantly, it's wrong. It's very, very wrong. Now, there was a time in Homo sapiens history where we can quite confidently conclude that you needed to be liked by others. 
we start back at our hunter-forager, hunter-gatherer stage of our evolution. You could see that if the tribe didn't like you and kicked you out, you're fucked. You know, you're going to be basically open, you know, we were middle of the food chain back then. You needed the protection of the group. Um, you weren't going to survive very long without it. And the group had specialists, so not everybody could do all the jobs. You worked together as a team. One person would do the hunting, one would do the foraging, one would build the shelter, whatever. Back then, if you were only a shelter builder and they kicked you out of the tribe, you'd starve to death. If you are only a hunter and they kicked you out of the tribe, you'd possibly uh, freeze in the elements. So there was a time when we needed it, but not today. Unless you're listening to this from the Amazon rainforest, where you've somehow got the technology in your little hunter-gatherer tribe to listen to a podcast. Good on you, by the way. Welcome to the show. But unless that's you, then right now you're living in a time of human development where you don't need anyone. Now, you're allowed to want people, and having people in your life can be great, but you don't need them. I can get hired without the people who hire me liking me. I can get hired on merit. It's a bit harder. I'm more likely to get hired if people like me, but it's not essential. I can start my own business, which I do all on my own, and sell products completely anonymously anonymously online. And everybody in the world could hate me, but not know it's me selling those products, and I can make an income to support myself, to provide food and shelter and water, all those things I need. And ironically, (laughs) it's actually impossible to be completely disliked by everyone on the planet. No matter how much of a horrific person you might be, there's somebody out there who thinks that's just great. I mean, I used to work with child sex offenders, you know, and some of them were just, ah, they were so disgusting to me. The things they did and the way they saw the world and just how harmful and abusive they were. And yet, plenty of them were married. They found a partner who knew all about them and loved them anyway. Loved them perhaps because of it. Uh, there's a society called Mechophiles. I talk about these guys often because they're just such a great example. They're guys who like to have sex with motor vehicles. They're obsessed with cars. There's a whole community of them. Everybody else in the world thinks they're freaks, but they get along with each other just fine. You know, you might be a bit of a nerd, a bit of a geek. Go to Comic Con. You'll find a tribe. Doesn't matter how, like... Asperger's you are, or whatever you think it is that prevents you from having friends, you can go find a whole group of people just like you. So the idea that it's even possible to be disliked by anyone is inaccurate. Even Hitler had friends. But coming back to the idea that you need to be liked, that you must prevent dislike from happening at all costs, and that must be a high priority in your decision-making model, that's the thing that you cannot prove to me. Now, being lonely does suck. But the idea that being lonely will kill you is not accurate. People can live miserably alone right into their old age. Now that doesn't mean it's an ideal life, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the need to be liked is not necessary. Why is it so important to know the difference between need and want? Because if you believe in need, you actually push away people. There is one human state that can make it almost impossible to connect with others, and that is overwhelming, desperate neediness. It's okay to be needy. In fact, it's completely human. You'll never be able to turn that off completely. But when you go into an interaction with the secret belief, I need people to like me, 
The behavior that follows will be highly likely to put the group off. You'll be seen as someone who takes value. They won't know how to put it into words exactly, but it'll just be that same feeling you get when you're around someone who wants a lot of your attention and you don't want to give it. That feeling is what you create subconsciously when you believe you need people to like you. Now, when you instead go, okay, I want people to like me, I wish people liked me, it'd be great if they did, but I can survive without it. If I leave this party with no extra friends tonight, I'll be all right. And if I be honest at this team meeting and the whole team turns on me, I'll be all right. I'm not going to die from that. Now, the only way you'll actually be able to form this belief, or should I say break the need belief, is to do exactly what I've just kind of implied, which is to allow people to dislike you on purpose, to deliberately do things that are honest and true for you to do that you believe will stop someone liking you, like arguing with the Uber driver, Right? Telling your boss that you don't like his idea. Telling your partner that uh, you cheated on him. All these things that you don't do because you think you need to be loved by others, need to be liked. Test it. Just to see if you die. Think of it as like uh, an extreme risk. Like you're jumping off a cliff with the hope that a parachute is strapped to your back. But just try it in a small isolated area of your life. Find one person who you think needs to like you and deliberately do something truthful that you think will stop them from liking you. Deliberately reveal a truth about yourself that you think will end it. Now hopefully it will end it. But there's a good chance it will only connect you deeper of course. But if it does end it, I want you to just notice as the days go by that you don't die. Now there will be some Rare exceptions, like I said, if you're in a hunter-gatherer tribe, or you're in one of those real fucked up countries like Yemen or Saudi Arabia, there'll be certain circumstances, you know, Mexico City, there'll be circum- circumstances if certain people don't like you, it will be a genuine risk to your health. Well, odds are, if you're in one of those countries, you're not getting this podcast, and if you are, I highly urge you to move, okay? Because most of the world's not like that. Most of the world, you can go around being totally... It's unpleasant, obnoxious, and no one will kill you. You might get the occasional growl, or if you're a real dick, you might get punched in the face once in a while, but you will not die. You don't need it, and you can live a long time without it. Now, you're allowed to want it, you're allowed to be needy for it. Just let go of the idea that it's necessary. So that in those moments, when you have to choose between being liked and being honest, you can take the risk. So that's my first one, my first little rant, first belief, and the first one that occurred to me when I made my list, the need to be liked by others is bullshit. I want to go into the next one now. The next one is, other people think like me. Other people think like me. It's a very subtle belief, this one. You won't generally think these words. You'll just predict people's behavior and have expectations of people based on what you would do and how you see the world. For example, if you're a clean, neat person, and you have someone over at your house, you'll expect them to be clean and neat because that's what you would do if you were at their house. And you assume that they think like you. You'll be bitterly disappointed if they don't follow through. I really got this belief challenged the most when I worked at Department of Corrections. 
because I started to work with the criminal community and I was faced with overwhelming evidence that there was a huge portion of the population who absolutely did not think like me. There were guys out there who thought murder was funny. There were guys out there who thought rape was justified. There were guys out there who thought the quickest solution to any confrontation is to punch someone right in the face. There were guys out there who thought they were entitled to steal your car. And they genuinely believe this. There are people out there who think because you're richer than them, it's okay for them to take your stuff. And they, they don't feel any guilt in doing so. I was confronted with so many people that was, their, their belief systems were so foreign and alien to me that their behavior was entirely unpredictable and they proved it to me again and again and again. I could have a conversation with a guy and clearly point out what I knew, which was if he kept behaving in a certain way, he'd end up in prison and that was bad. That very afternoon, he would behave that way as if we had never had the conversation. Or as if he just wanted to try and prove me right. It was bizarre, but what I realized later was he did not see things the way I did. There are even guys who enjoy prison, something I couldn't possibly understand. Now, the reason this is such a harmful belief to have is because it infects your relationships with people like a fucking disease and it makes you a really judgmental cunt. I use that word on purpose. When you expect other people to be like you and think like you, you start to hold them to a standard that you probably hypocritically don't even live to. And then you'll punish them for not living to that standard. You'll expect people to be like you, and when they're not like you, you'll assume that they're doing it to hurt you. Because you assume people think like you, when they don't behave the way you think people should behave, you have to come to the assumption that they knew the right way to do things and chose not to. Like if, you have, if you're a clean person and you have a person around to your house and they leave a mess, you'll assume because they have to think like you that they knew they should have been clean and chose not to be. Just to fuck with you. Just because they, they're inconsiderate, right? Or because they want to harm you or because they're upset with you in some way. Those are the conclusions you'll draw. You'll make these massive assumption leaps about their intentions. You'll think you know why people do things because you think you know how they think. Because you think they think like you. And that train of thinking is devastating to relationships. It absolutely holds you back from connecting deeply with people. It definitely holds you back from being a powerful leader. A real leader knows that other people don't think like him knows that that's the most likely assumption to make about a person, and therefore you have to get to know each individual uniquely, figure out their way of thinking, and adjust your leadership style to that. People in a healthy relationship know that no matter how long they're with their partner, their partner does not see the world the same way as them, does not draw the same conclusions, does not have the same decision-making process, does not have the same core beliefs. I mean, if you want to know how people think different to you, just look on the internet at what people believe in. If you're religious, look at all the scientific atheist people. If you're atheist, look at all the religious people. Look at how different people think. And assume that they do not think like you. In fact, no one does. Not even your best friend. They still have a process that thinks differently to you. Now, the reason I want to challenge this belief is partly because most people are just simply unaware that they have it. 
They go around having hidden expectations of people and punishing them for not meeting those expectations, holding people to account for things that they didn't express clearly, and just generally destroying relationships. You know, and they, and they don't realize that this belief is behind it, that the reason they get so upset with people is because they think the person thinks like them and chose not to do what the right thing to do was. If you can start with the assumption that actually everybody's trying to do the right thing by their own methodology of thinking. They believe they're doing the right thing. They just have completely different reasoning to you. It's very, very rare, incredibly rare, for someone to be doing something to intentionally hurt you. I've worked with many of the worst criminal offenders in New Zealand, and even they still think they're doing things for a good reason. Like when a guy breaks into a house and steals your shit, he has a story about how he's been oppressed by the rich people in society, and this is him taking back what he deserves. This is, you know, this is righteous what he's doing. Even guys who do horrific things like murder and rape, they have a story as to why it's okay for them to do that. And they believe that story, even though that story will sound like it's coming from another species to you. It'll sound like something that, that makes no sense whatsoever. To them, it makes perfect sense. And until you understand that, you're always going to come across as judgmental. And that's going to put up walls between you and other people. So that's why the whole other people think like me thing, not only is it totally bullshit, it destroys relationships without you even seeing its existence. So that was the next one that I saw. It's particularly harmful. I think I've got time for a couple more this session. So the next one coming up is the universe is fair, or should be fair. I want to start by talking about something called entropy. I might do a whole separate podcast on this. Entropy is something I was just reading about recently. It comes under the second law of thermodynamics, under the laws of physics. Entropy, in my understanding, is basically that things go bad more than they go good. And what I mean by that is things will dissolve back to room temperature far more likely than they'll heat up or freeze. Things kind of find a way back to zero. That's what entropy is. One of the things that people assume is that the universe is fair, that there's karma. If I'm a good person, then I'll get rewarded. If I'm a bad person, I'll be punished. That if other people are good, they'll have a good life, and other people are bad, they'll be punished. That if I work hard, I will benefit more than somebody who is lazy. We have these kind of assumptions that the universe is set up on a humanistic fairness model. And it's a bizarre belief to have, because there's no evidence. In fact, all there is is counter-evidence. There's really just no evidence that the universe is fair by human standards. And everybody's definition of fear is different. It's one of the most subjective concepts in the world. My version of fear might be hugely harmful to other people. And your version of fear might ruin my life. You might think, this is what a fear life would be. I get this, this, and this, and that would be fear. But where do you get those things from? Who are they taken away from? Somebody's losing. You know, we're living in an age of the debate around equality at this stage, you know. And people are kind of getting all neo-Marxist and getting into communism. We can clearly see that trying to make an equal model just ends in the murder and the genocide of millions every fucking time someone tries it. It's an absolutely unworkable model. 
and yet it's based on the delusion of fairness. That's why people keep trying it. They keep thinking, hey, if everything's fair, it'll be good. Don't realize, hey, every individual's got a different idea of what fair means, and they're all going to try and act by that different idea, which means absolute chaos. The feeling of disappointment, being upset, frustrated, annoyed, struggling to accept life, all comes from the universal underlying belief that things should be fair. What upsets you is the constant proof that they're not. And what I'm asking you is, instead of being upset by this, observe it. Notice and realize that life has fucking never been fair. And never will be. Entropy. Think about like a sandcastle on the beach. You build a beautiful sandcastle. It doesn't last forever. There is only one outcome. It will eventually just be sand again. Little kids will kick it over. The wind will blow it away. The waves will wash away. Sandcastles are built to be destroyed. And everything in life follows the same model. Without regular maintenance, whatever you build will be destroyed. You notice how if you haven't practiced a skill in a while, when you go back to doing it, it's like you're a beginner again. You actually lose the skill over time. There's a, you know, there's an old saying like, uh, you never forget how to learn, uh, you never forget how to ride a bicycle. Well, not so long ago, I rode a bicycle for the first time in like two decades. I'm just not a bike riding guy. And I fucking struggled. I used to be able to do jumps and kind of tricky shit on bikes. I could barely keep this thing up. I was struggling just to figure out how like how long to make the distance between the seat and the pedals. I was really, I was having a hard time of it. I wasn't a complete beginner, but there was definitely entropy with my bike skills. They went down because I wasn't maintaining them. Whatever you're working on, you can't store it. There is no storage. Everything falls apart eventually. Everything's designed to decay. And the reason I bring this into the whole fairness debate is not only because that's the most truthful way of describing life, but also because how could things be fair when they're clearly weighted towards entropy? Things aren't weighted at zero, like neutral. They're weighted at negative. Everything's trying to collapse. And, you know, the kind of the real fight of good versus evil in your own life is your valiant battle against that collapse. You know, your your relationship with your partner is going to end. The valiant fight to keep it going as long as possible is what sort of makes it worth living, or at least keep it going as long as it's healthy. People often try to keep a relationship alive forever, thinking, you know, I treat my partner well, it's only fair that we stay together. But no, they're still going to die. Even if you guys stay together for life, one of you is dying first. That's guaranteed. In fact, that's the best possible outcome you could hope for. That one of you dies first, you know? Because the second to that is divorce and breaking up and all that. Everything you start will come to an end. If you can't find quality in that fight, you're going to be bitterly disappointed. If you constantly think, hey, if I worked hard, I get to keep this thing, you're in for a big shock. The universe doesn't give a fuck how hard you worked. It's fighting against you, and it has endless stamina. Entropy is easy for the universe. It's one of the laws of physics, clearly measurable. Time will always bring boiling water back to room temperature. You know, everything dissolves into the norm. So everything you've built is constantly being eroded away by life itself. 
So there's never going to be fairness. There's always going to be a struggle. There's always going to be pain. There's always going to be a battle. There's always going to be hostility and enemies to your cause. And rather than lamenting this and being upset about it, you should embrace it. Because what we're talking about is life. Life is not trying to get to a fair, balanced state of constant happiness. It's about getting up every morning and fighting the good fight against entropy. There's also the idea, you know, so many people believe in fucking karma and and those religious beliefs that the better person you are, the more you get rewarded. It's just so not true. (laughs) Like, I don't know how people can believe that without carefully ignoring like 99% of facts. Think of babies dying. How's that fear, right? Babies die by the millions every year. Which one of those deaths is fair, do you think? Which one of those babies earned an early death through bad behavior, really? And if that's, if that's fair, how come Hitler got to live to be an adult? Why didn't he die as a baby? This whole God works in mysterious ways. It's like, no, 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 the universe is unfair. That's what it is. It's nothing mysterious about it. The human concept of fear... The universe doesn't watch people and go, oh, that one's being good, we'll give him a good life, and that one's being bad, we'll punish him. It doesn't do that. It doesn't do anything. It's not even watching. Bad people can go on to great success. (laughs) Look at Donald Trump. (laughs) Look at him. (laughs) Look at him. I don't care if you voted for him or voted against him. Just look at the state of the guy. He is one revolving door piece of shit, really, isn't he? Everything he does is just awful. He's just an awful person, by my standards. But look at him. One success after another. That guy is thriving. He's just been winning from the day he was born. And he's a complete tosser. Because the universe doesn't care that he's a tosser. Right? The universe is like, well, you get what you're given. And that's it. You know, I know great people who... Awesome people are just like, wow, they contribute so much to society, being around them improves your quality of life, and boom, they get cancer. Trump doesn't. Goes healthy as an ox. What is he, like 110? And he's president. The universe is not fear, and it shouldn't be fear, because there's no such fucking thing as fear. It's a totally subjective, made-up fiction about what you want coming true all the time. You gotta understand, your fear is somebody else's unfear. If you think it's, you know, fear that you have a car and money and all that sort of stuff, well, where'd that money come from? Because there's people in Africa that don't have a car or money. Somebody got deprived so that you could, you know, have that stuff. Is that fear? Who's that fear to? There is no universal fairness when you've got finite resources. And your, your concept of fear changes every day, doesn't it? I mean, think of what you thought fairness was when you were a child compared to what you think it is now. In your own lifetime, it's changed definition. You combine that with 7 billion other slightly variant definitions of fear, and you'll see that the universe will never be able to please everyone. And even if it could, it's not going to, because it doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't have the capacity to care. The universe is not a sentient being. There's absolutely no evidence that it's trying to keep things fair. Even if you believe in God and everything... You still got to look at the evidence. Obviously, he, she, it doesn't care if things are fair or not. You look at the Christian God. By Christian standards, if you die as an unbeliever, you go to hell. And yet God's everywhere and causes everything. 
So he kills all the Hindu babies. So those babies who never even got a chance to taste Christianity get killed as Hindus and spend a lifetime in eternal suffering. That's fair? Come on. Even if there is a God, he's not fair. He's fucking a psychopath, probably. If you let go of the universe being fair, you let go of 90% of your struggle. Because while you're wasting time complaining and being all bitter and resentful about how things have worked out and feeling that you're not being rewarded adequately for what you're doing, you know, all that time and energy is wasted. It could be spent on solving the problems that life gives you and will always give you. It could be spent on trying your best to live by your values regardless of how fair things are. Instead of just wasted and just just used up crappy energy of bitterness. So that was my little rant on fairness. And I think I'll do one more before we close it up for today. Just one more. Okay, here's one. Success means winning. I think this is a core belief that a huge percentage of the population has and does not question even remotely. That the word success is synonymous with certain results from your behavior equaling the definition of reward. So in your career, success means having a lot of money. In your social life, success means being loved by many people, having a family and kids, winning. In health, it means a six-pack and the ability to run really fast and not being paralyzed. You know, there's this constant theme that success means winning. It means accomplishing a result that most people can't accomplish. And therefore, putting yourself in the elite. You know, most people aren't millionaires. Most people don't have a six-pack. And most people aren't in a loving, healthy relationship. So if you have any of these things, you count as successful. And you count as successful as a comparison to the people who don't have them. I, I believed this for a very, very long time. I believed that a successful life was by those very universal societal standards. But I started to notice cracks appear in that belief system. First and foremost, the most obvious one is, it depends where you are on that definition. Now, having a lot of money tends to be a definition of success no matter where you go. But there are some people who don't rank that as successful. And there are some people who seem to have that, but they don't actually. You know, there are some people who are businessmen who are doing particularly well, but they don't actually have solid cash. They have investments and portfolios, and actually they don't own any money. So it kind of gets a little blurry as to who's rich. Like I could say my friend who owns uh, two houses, has a great job, is more successful than me, but he's actually hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, whereas I have nowhere near that level of debt. So who's actually wealthier there? What does success mean? You know, I saw those people like uh, they were in a relationship when I was single, and I think, ah, oh, they're more successful than me socially, but their relationship was just tormented. You know, it was just full of arguments and resentment and lost freedoms. I was like, that's that's more successful? I don't get it. And then I'd be in a relationship myself, and I'd be struggling to really connect with the girl I was with or whatever, and I'd see a single person who's just carefree and love themselves, and I'm like, wait, am I really more successful than they are? I mean, I've got the thing, but they seem to enjoy life more. Who's really more successful here? And then I'd see people who are really happy all the time, and, you know, that's the common measure of success. I think, oh, look how happy they are, and so on and so forth. And I realize, wait a second, that happiness is 
built on a stack of lies. They're happy because they take drugs all the time, or they're happy because they're kind of forcing themselves to be. You know, they're happy just because things are going easy for them, and they're kind of setting themselves up to be fragile if something bad happens in the future. And I start to really just get a bit confused about exactly what success was. You know, I saw someone like Michael Phelps win all those gold medals in the Olympics, and then he comes out as being addicted to drugs and having a massive problem with depression. I was like, wait, is that is that what a successful person feels like? I don't get it. The guy's the best swimmer in, like, human history, and he's all fucked up. How's that success if he feels that way? The more I looked into what success means, the more my understanding of it eroded. I started to see that, like, what I thought of as success was often accompanied by a lot of misery and confusion and dissatisfaction. Like, no matter how rich someone got, they always seemed to want to get richer. No matter how great some guy was with women, he couldn't get enough women to be really satisfied. The guy at the gym who had the six-pack, he's he's still in the gym, like, eight times a week. You know, he just, he can't seem to let it go. He seems to have more struggle with having a six-pack than I've ever had without. And I just started to lose faith in this whole idea of success. That success is obtaining these external outcomes. And I also realized that some people's success was vastly different to what I thought it was. You know, I'd have guys at a party boasting to me that they just beat the shit out of someone. That was their version of success, winning a fight. Whereas my version of success is not getting into a fight at all. And I started to realize that this whole thing about success, I had never really defined it for myself. I was just borrowing definitions that I'd been conditioned to believe. And that they were significantly flawed. The idea that they came with enjoyment of life, with quality was just constantly undermined by what I saw. I saw miserable millionaires. I saw married people who just wanted to escape. And I saw healthy people who still fucking hated themselves when they looked in the mirror. I couldn't see the success actually making them enjoy life more. I couldn't see it being a worthwhile pursuit. But I realized, you know, it took me a long time to see this because initially I just saw surface level winning. Someone would have a lot of cash and they would go around flashing it saying, look how lucky I am and how great it is to have all this cash. And I'd just believe that at face value. I'd be like, oh, they must be happy. I'd have to carefully ignore all the evidence of like celebrities going to rehab and getting divorced all the time to believe that fame was good, that fame was worth having. And you probably have a definition of success that somewhat relates to what I'm talking about. You believe it means having this stuff, or getting that thing, or winning this, that, and the other. And I've got to ask you, have you really explored the end game of that? You think being a millionaire will make you successful? Have you actually thought what being a millionaire will be like, and how it will be significantly different to what you are now? Why do you define that as more successful? And if success includes some form of enjoying life, Have you considered that aspect of it? Do you know how financially difficult it is to manage a million dollars compared to just your casual small paycheck? You know, how much more pressure is on you? How much more fake your relationships become? How much more stressful it is? Sure, you can afford an easy trip to Fiji, but you won't find the time to go because you're too busy working. I want you to consider that perhaps your definition of success is not only inaccurate but harmful. 
It is not the same as a definition of an enjoyable, meaningful life, which is what I now think of as a success. For me, my new definition of success is I fucking love being me, regardless of my results. Whether I'm single or loved by millions, whether I'm rich or got zero dollars in the bank, whether I got a six pack or man boobs, for me, success means I like who I am, without needing those things. And that's completely changed my my pursuits. I've gone from trying to chase money and popularity and good looks to chasing things like integrity, chasing things like bold honesty, chasing things like trying to impress myself and, and especially adjusting to things like taking good care of myself, treating myself like I'm my own best friend. And what's great about that change in pursuit is that I don't have to beat anyone. There's no competition in this game. There's nobody I'm up against when it comes to being honest or courageous. I can do it any time I want. No one can stop me. And even if someone else is more courageous or more honest than me, it doesn't matter. It has no reflection on my own success whatsoever. All I have to do is be honest and courageous by my own standards. No one can even stop me taking care of myself. All I have to do is ignore people. Boom, I'm on track. You think chasing money and popularity, trying to get laid, trying to get paid... Trying to look good is going to make you, what, happy? Going to make you comparatively better than other people? What do you think it's going to do for you? Have you really thought about it? Have you really investigated deeply the people who are successful by your definition? Are you so sure that they have a good life? Or do you just believe what they project? You just believe your imagined predictions of it, your simulations? Like I said, I have gone out and looked. I've met the miserable millionaires. I've met the guys who can find five different girls to sleep with every week and still feel disconnected and lonely. I've met the, I've met the girls that look like they're straight out of a swimsuit model calendar and they still fucking hate their bodies and purge every other night. Those things you want don't guarantee any sort of quality of life. They just look like they do. So before you chase them, make sure you know what it is you're chasing. That they are not the end goal, they're a vehicle towards something else. Or do you really want the thing that they take you to? I think I'll wrap it up there for today. I think we covered, what, about four beliefs? Need to be liked by others, other people need to like you, universe is fear, success means winning. And I'll keep the series going in like a little rant. And if you guys have any ideas about beliefs you want me to challenge, or beliefs you think are very true, that you think can't be challenged, bring it on, because I feel like talking some shit. I'll see you all for the next one. Cheers.